Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. again everyone and welcome back to the front line with joe and joe joe priscillo as always joined by joe resinello and once more dear brothers and sisters let us go in to the breach on the veritas catholic radio network 1350 on your am dial 103.9 on your fm dial spreading the truth of the catholic faith to the new york city metropolitan area uh, always remember to download the the veritas catholic radio network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our stations content not just the front line with joe and joe and of course if you'd like to give some feedback on the station and our programming you could do that at VeritasCatholic.com, VeritasCatholic.com. And finally, if you like Joe and I and want to support us on social media, you could find us on YouTube at The Frontline TV, The Frontline TV, and our website, TheFrontlineTV.com, TheFrontlineTV.com. So um, as many of you in our audience knows that Joe and I primarily, you know, we're, we're interviewing a lot of authors, people who have written books, um, people who have uh, something to say out there, primarily, of course, um, in the Catholic world. And once in a while, we uh, not, not necessarily depart from that, but uh, we'll have back on a guest who uh, we really clicked with, and we feel like we want to have some deeper conversations. So Frank Cronin, has decided that he would like to join us. I don't know what's wrong with Frank, but he would like to come back <laughs> on the front line with Joe and Joe. Uh, he wrote a three-part series that was published in the Catholic World Re Report uh, titled The Triumph of Truth. Now, for Catholics, I, I, I just don't know how, how to describe how that is so pertinent to everything we do. The triumph of truth, and the truth, of course, is Jesus Christ. Um, but, we're, you know, and it's something that really, you know, it hit us and we wanted to talk about. Uh, and we think you're really going to enjoy the conversation because it ties into a lot of the, the mess that we're going through now, particularly in our culture. Uh, but very quickly, for those of you who don't remember Frank, uh, Mr. Cronin has studied on a graduate level in education at Harvard and at the University of Connecticut in leadership at Columbia University and in theology at Regent University and Holy Apostles College and Seminary. He also writes regularly for the National Catholic Register and has appeared on EWTN's The Journey Home with Marcus Grodi following his 2007 reversion to the Catholic faith from atheism and evangelical Protestantism. Frank Cronin, welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Great to see you guys. Awesome. Good to have you, Frank. Frank, we'll, we'll begin with We'll begin with a prayer because we always start with a prayer because God knows we need prayers, particularly me. <laughs> Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us, amen. Amen. Frank, as Joe said, you put together this this uh, series of articles, um, and it's right up our alley. But I'll be honest with you, I always like to uh, 
to respond to the Holy Spirit. And as Joe was reading your bio, it, it came back to me something you said in the last conversation we had. And I just want to touch on it because it really left a mark on me, to be honest with you. And I think it's important. You talked about how Columbia would not publish your dissertation. Now we're talking about truth here. Now that is supposed to be an institution that has the greatest minds in the world. You're talking about truth and they will not publish your dissertation. That irritates me, Frank, <laughs> to be completely honest with you. And I think people, particularly parents in the Northeast should hear that because we're always like, I work in the corporate sphere you know, and everyone's looking to have their kid to be the middle linebacker at Princeton. You know something? I'll be honest with you. I sometimes say those schools aren't worth two cents. Joe's brother went to Yale. I mean, like his sister has a PhD in, in, in philosophy. She takes care of her kid now. So I'm just saying, like, I think we value things sometimes that have no value. And here you are putting forth something that is valuable and they don't even want it. Please talk about that for a minute, and then we'll get into the articles. Well, it, it kind of really, there's a, a nice link there content-wise, because what I wanted to study was moral leadership from a Catholic Christian standpoint. They gave us a book to read called Moral Leadership uh, by an, a secular author, so I figured, well, this is just a subcategory of that, and it should be pretty straightforward. But no one would pick up that, none of the professors particularly the, the dean of that of the School of Organizational Leadership, that, that's the courses he taught were ethics, and he was the guy to do it, and he just wouldn't pick it up and left me without it. And, and really, you can understand, I guess on some level, I can understand why. It contradicts almost everything you would think about, about both the content of ethics and the source of ethics. Like, what, where, do, where do ethical judgments come from? And then what are what are what's the actual content of ethics? Like what's right and wrong? To what degree is it right and wrong? Is it important or trivial in in that regard? So I can totally understand why he would do that. On the other hand, uh, it's not really right to do to encourage people to attend your school. You do all of this stuff. They give you a book on moral leadership, but. but we're not going to talk about morality beyond what this particular author, what the secular world sees as moral. And so uh, for me, that's, you know, that's just the unfortunate reality that I have to live with now. Yeah. And, 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 and like you said, Frank, it's unfortunate. I wish in this country, we would start making things a little bit unfortunate for places like Columbia university. That, that would be like Joe and I talk about the need all the time. Don't get us wrong, Frank, for personal holiness, if you really want to change the culture, but there's another battle that's part of that overall. And one of them is against higher education, not to get into a personal situation, but I will tell you from my own sister's point of view, she had the same problem. She was, she was writing her dissertation challenging the pedagogy in the education system in America, going back to Dewey, let's say a hundred mm -hmm. years ago, same thing. Nobody wanted to pick up her dissertation. Right. They, they, they want every idea and we're going to segue into moral relativism and relativism in general. Okay. They want all ideas are valid except the ones that challenge them. You know, well, and that's authoritarianism. That's not that's not being open minded. Let's call it what it is. Places like Columbia and higher education, they need to be defunded and parents need to be educated by people like us to say you don't necessarily want to send your kid to these schools. Go ahead, Frank. I cut you off. 
Well, but but there's something to that because the power motive rears its head in that because like they, they have their view on right and wrong, right? Their idea of moral leadership. And that's based on a certain moral philosophy. On the other hand, it isn't like other people can't have a different moral philosophy. The real sticking point for in my situation, maybe even in your sister's situation, is that I would assert that there are moral truths like like facts as truth as fact and they would insist on morality as perception and perception is different than fact the argument for fact means like this is right and, it, and i can prove your things are all wrong whereas they would say well no that's just another way of looking at things and, and right there is the core of i think why it doesn't gain any traction in higher higher ed in a liberal sense yeah yeah, definitely. Frank Cronin joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. So we're going to get into this conversation, The Triumph of Truth, a three-part series published in the Catholic World Report, written by Frank. With, with that, uh, let's start, Joe Racinello. Well, uh, basically, one of the series titles is Overlooking the Obvious. This is what you write, Frank. You say, given the many technological and scientific advances over the last 200 years, it's startling to consider the stupefying malaise and paradoxical plague that prevents so many of us from seeing the obvious truths of living. You know, as you were just saying, talking about your interaction uh, at your institution, which was Columbia, um, I was thinking the reason why, and I think to, to address this question is, it turns their life upside down. Like intelligence has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with a malleable will. Like if you have a malleable will, you will turn your life upside down. Like if you tell me something, Frank, and I'm wrong, and you're like, Joe, you're wrong, and you're being sincere, and you're being kind, and you're being loving, and you're like, but Joe, you're wrong. I will honestly think about it. But most people, not that I'm special, because God knows I'm not, but but uh, most people don't go in that direction. Talk about that, because I think that's the root of the issue here. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I, I think the... The problem with the modern world is we've come, we've concluded that the only way we can know actual facts is with science. No question there, science gets us to facts. But we all know that the more they experiment, often that changes the science. But we know that science is factual. What we've lost is the fact that reason is factual as well. And fundamentally, science rests on reason. Reason is underneath science. You cannot do science without reason. Building a hypothesis requires a, a use of logic. On the other hand, you can you can prove a great deal with reason. And this is why when you use like culturally, science, people respect that. That's authority. Philosophy, that's just opinion. Well, they're wrong. Because sure they're wrong. Do, yeah. But because when you do reason properly, and there's a lot of philosophers out there who manipulate reason or erroneously use reason but when reason is done properly philosophy is as factual as science right it's you know just the question of the existence of god either god is or god isn't like my perception can't make god right somebody has to be right there god is or god isn't and what okay so what is the argument and facts that substantiate that and you look at both sides and you go oh yeah okay there has to be a god Scientifically, we know that 
by implication, the existence of everything had to come from something that wasn't created itself, right? That's a logic thing, but also our science tells us, the Big Bang tells us, the, the tuning of the universe tells us. I mean, it's it's all out there. Uh, and look, use a look at tuning of the universe, just how finely tuned it is for life. And there are ridiculous formulas that I can give you. Well, maybe I'll just give you this one. It's, it, it's kind of a looking at what would be the likelihood of what's the probability of the universe coming into existence with this level of sophistication right? and, and tuning. And the answer is 10 to the 10th to the 125th power. That's more zeros than there are molecules in the entire universe. That's how unlikely this, the, the level of complexity and, and tuning that we have in our universe could be possible by accident. It's a virtual impossibility. This would have to be ordered by an order. So that's kind of the, the logic too. Well, that the, the 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 frustrating part about it, and I've heard them all, Frank, going back twenty years. Okay, mm -hmm. I listened to I listened to people like you make that statement that you just made. Not necessarily religious people. David Berlinski, the mathematician, uh, I first heard him uh, use that that figure that you just said, the tenth to the tenth to the hundred and twenty fifth, um, and and other reasonable. Let's, let's use that word because that's what it is, okay? Reasonable argument to say, well, no, there's obvious order to the universe. In other words, and that order obviously has to have a source. And then you ask these philosophical questions, and that leads you to God, okay? But, mm -hmm. uh, but to listen to the, to the atheist strain uh, to get around these very reasonable challenges to, to what they try to propose. Richard Dawkins says, um, they, makes ridiculous statements like, well, the universe appears ordered, but it only appears that way. No, Richard, it, ac it actually is ordered. It doesn't appear <laughs> like anything. It actually is, okay? And when, you, and, and when they make these arguments, but again, like Joe says, it's a challenge to their worldview more than anything else, okay, um, that they need to that they need to pedal out there now that's a different conversation we're simply talking right now in this conversation about truth and it does it is a stupefying malaise okay i love i love the words that you use um let's let's continue because like i said if, if we go on and on uh we, you know we, 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 there's so much here to talk about frank cronin joining us here at the front line with joe and joe let let's let me say this to you um we live in a time up is down. Remember, you said, Frank, about perception, perception, perception. Mm -hmm. All right. Up is down. Down is up. Lies and the truth are interchangeable. They're, you know, you have asked, how do we who properly employ science to find and apply the truths of our physical world miss the use and power of our rational and logical cap uh, capacities to find truth in the realms of metaphysics and human nature, in morality and in culture. So we love it if you give our audience, expand on that a little bit. Um, because remember something, get, just real quick, getting back to Richard Dawkins, th this is the type of guy I could use different words, but we're on a Catholic radio station and we want to be charitable, okay? Who says, we don't need metaphysics, we have physics. That's, and, and again, Frank, the frustrating part. Destroy, destroy some of this narrative in, in, in light of the question that I just asked you. 
Well, I mean, a lot of this happens very implicitly in things. Looking at Dawkins, for example, he's he's built this whole argument around physical science, and he's assuming that that's all there is to know because he only sees the physical stuff. He's a scientist but doesn't understand the philosophy of science, and the philosophy of science is rooted in reason applied inductively to the physical world. We watch what's going on in the physical world. We, we make sound observations on that. We compare observations. We have it replicated other places. And then we can say, well, this we know. Well, all that, that whole process of exploring the physical universe and, and sharing results and going to replication or review, all that's rationally driven. That's not scientifically driven. You can't physically show that. Those, those are all logical and inherent steps to knowing, right? So, and that's kind of what the weird part of the modern world is, particularly over the last couple of centuries, is that we've lost sight of, of reason's capacity just as reason, and we only recognize reason's capacity when applied to physical things that we can have verified when we watch things move or manipulate things in a scientific sense. And so reason is kind of made to be secondary to science because it's only validated once we we make a correct observation and we can see it physically. But that just makes no sense at all from a rational standpoint because the case I just made for you with that just two seconds ago is a rational case. Hmm. It, it, it's like, so... Our use of reason is inescapable. We just don't understand or we've forgotten or we've been programmed or in some measure, like you guys were saying, our worldview has kind of eliminated the idea that we can know things philosophically. Just the, the pedestrian sense of philosophy versus science tells you everything. Science, everyone knows, that's fact. Philosophy, well, that's just your opinion, friend. Philosophy, right. that isn't it. Science exists on the empirical method. Philosophy is based in logic, which is the fundamental nature of mathematics and of science. So our real bottom line for knowing is logic. It gets We apply logic to the physical world and learn science. We apply logic and our understand theories of mathematics. But our fundamental way of knowing is always logic, reason. Frank, one, well, I'm going to hand it over to Joe, but uh, I just want a quick comment on that. Remember, but we, we are, and you, you have to be a blind man not to see it, okay? We are in a culture war. We're in a spiritual battle. And if you're trying to win people over, okay, um, to your side, if let's say you're a militant atheist like a Dawkins or Harris or Hitchens when he was alive, you have to convince people that those those Roman Catholics are superstitious. Nothing is based on reason or rationality, okay? It's all superstition. They have to peddle that. When you challenge them by what you just said, then, like I said to you earlier, then they have to strain and squirm and come up with the most ridiculous answers to what you just said, because they have to maintain Frank Cronin. You're a Roman Catholic. At the end of the day, you are a superstitious man. And so are you two, two Italian Jamokes from New Jersey, Joe and Joe. You guys are just superstitious. They can't handle the arguments that no, 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 no. Authentic Christianity is also based on reason. Now, again, we could go on, but, but let's, let's keep going in the conversation. Joe Restinello. 
Can we talk about mystery for a moment? Because clearly logic points to God. I mean, truth, there is absolute truth. But according to God and according to our faith, there is mystery, like say the Trinity. You know, Augustine tried to explain the Trinity, probably the best explanation there is out there, but clearly there's a mystery to it. Uh, We recently interviewed a woman who was a chemist, and she was talking about Eucharistic miracles. And she said from a science perspective, you know, there were openings there if you really wanted to look at it. And there has there comes a point where faith has to play into some of these truths. How do we like present this mystery, which is baked into our belief? Clearly, I mean, there are things um, we just can't explain, like the Trinity. How does that work in with a logical and reasonable argument pointing to God? Well, I think, it, uh, I mean, I think there's so many of those things that are inherent in our daily life. I mean, love is a mystery. I, I love my wife. I can give you tons of reasons why that is. I can talk about how it, 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 there's a kind of joining between the two of us. But until the description I can give you somehow won't encompass the reality. And yet I know it, right? And so I think some of that takes us right where you're talking about. We can know a whole lot of factual things, but there are some things that, despite the fact that we can know they're for certain, are a little elusive. And I think some of that comes from our human limitedness. The question for me, as at least as a Catholic, has been in terms of mystery. Okay, when you get into mystery, how mysterious is it? That's a function of degree not of content, right? Like we can say a great deal about the Trinity. We may not be able to fully explain or comprehensively do that. And so there's a mystagogical part to that, but we know a great deal about that, that that we do know certainly. So I think for me, when I think of mystagogy, particularly for example, that you give around Trinity is like, I feel really comfortable with that, and I feel like I could make the case for that. And yet, there's somehow, despite making the case, there's parts that are harder to comprehend and may even be elusive to the greatest of minds. Nevertheless, what we do know, we can operate on, and we can know that for certain. You know, and I think saying the Trinity as the Trinity without any, you know, elucidating the facts of how beings can be separate but united and those kind of things that's that seems that seems a degree of mystery not an absolute mystery you know it's funny as you're saying that like i i've been given a gift and it's the gift of forrest gump obedience i'm going to be honest with you it's a gift and there's honest to goodness my father used to say to me when i was a little boy he used to say um outside of a lot of other things he used to say to me, <laughs> both good and bad uh he used to say you listen to the pope he used to say that and i remember it and there comes a point in my faith honest to god it's because you said it straight up okay. Like, and I can live with that. I really can. It's a gift, actually. Some people would say, no, that makes you a fool. No, I, no, I don't, I disagree. It's because you said it and I, I believe it. That's a missing piece. I think what's out here in the Catholic, like, you know, worldview, uh, particularly 
again with a lot of really smart people like like they just can't grasp that that idea like like saint joseph dude you're going to egypt all right let's go let's go we're going now see joe uh, i want to i want to i want to it's important you said that i want to segue into something because we have about five minutes before the break but i think it's important to get into but it's based on what you said joe resinello you're you give the assent of your will to be obedient to an authority which is the catholic church okay to jesus christ and his church okay now here's my problem getting back to science for a second the same people that would say joe resinello that something's wrong with you because you bend your knee to the catholic church but in the context of what we're talking about but they insist that you bend your knee to them as an authority on what you can and cannot know, okay? Which leads us back to their view of science. See, you just very simply say, well, there, I use my reason to say that I believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he founded a church. So like you always say on the show, Joe Resinello, when you're raised from the dead, I'll listen to you. But I'm going to listen to the guy who 2,000 years ago was raised from the dead and the church he founded. So it's important. I'm glad you brought it up, Joe Resinello, because the same people who say that you bend your knee to authority want you to bend your knee to their authority. And Frank, getting back to you, Frank Cronin joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, but they're so full of garbage, okay? And I say it like that. I can only put it in street terms, Frank. I could actually put it in more street terms, <laughs> but this is a family program, okay? okay? We all good. They insist, they insist that their authority as scientists, okay, is something that you need to be obedient to because there's no other forms of knowing. It's only about science. Now we've alluded to that already. But here's the problem, and I'd love you to, to, to just destroy this argument, Frank Cronin, before the end of the uh, before the end of the segment, okay? But you can't scientifically verify that. Right. The idea that science is the only form of knowing, and unless you can unless you can verify it scientifically, it's not it's it's irrelevant. But you can't scientifically verify that. Well, and and what you're getting to is the really the nub of the whole problem. That's kind of what the articles are about. It's about what the how we can know truth. And in order to build the proof for science, you have to use reason. You cannot use science. Science isn't a way of proving yourself. The only thing you could say is this we know, we showed it in an experiment, that's it, that's my proof. Well, no, that just proved that it worked in that physical reality right there. And, and you can shoot holes in this, but again, they're not great at philosophy because they think this is like self-evident. You're supposed to just accept it. We've tested this stuff. This is the way this scientific truth works. This is the way all of science works. Well, you can't, again, you can't be an apologist for science without becoming a philosopher. And the minute you become a philosopher, you vacated the epistemology of science mm. because you recognize I can't make the case that way. You, you know, it's funny, real quick, science. Frank, I want you to... I yeah. want you to keep going. What's funny is that you, when they try to do philosophy, you end up like Richard Dawkins and a guy who's not a religious man, a guy like David Berlinsky, turn around and say, hey, you know something, Richard Dawkins? He's a crummy philosopher. Again, just bring it down the street term. Right. He's just yeah. a crummy philosopher because he rejects what you say. When challenged, let's say others have challenged him and Peter Atkins and people like that. And so, well, wait a minute. Uh, along the lines of what Frank Cronin is saying here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Uh, science presupposes mathematics. Science presupposes order. Science presupposes logic. You can't prove any of those things under a microscope or through a telescope. In other words, but yet you, re you reject the philosophical nature of your enterprise, in this case, science, because that would require you to accept a, accept a, a form of knowledge 
that transcends science or or precedes science. And mm-hmm. of course, if you're like I said, Frank, if you're if you're looking to gain followers and peddle a narrative, that's the way to do it. Frank, I'll give you about a minute before the end of the break. Okay. Well, just I mean, picking up on that whole idea, they, they just can't do it, and they're operating in. Uh, you can't you can't do that without an appeal to reason, without inherently using reason. And what the guys like Dawkins and Hitchens and those guys do is they they use these things and make like this is not a big deal, and they can't explain the existence of the logic they're trying to use. Forget about the fact that they're using it erroneously. Right, and 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 that's why I think it's so important that you know your articles that you wrote, um, you know when you're. Um, the ones we're talking about today, The Triumph of Truth, a three-part series published in the Catholic World Report. Uh, when we come back, we're going to continue that conversation. Because again, Frank Cronin joins the front line with Joe and Joe. We can go on for hours. But this is important because young minds in particular who somehow, because of this swamp of a culture we're in, they're drawn or at least want, they think they want to be drawn to some sort of either agnosticism or atheism. But we have to try to convince those people, look, you can believe what you want, but at the end of the day, this is what they're telling you that you're going to believe in, but that's not quite true. Um, and we can appeal to them, at least for as Catholic men, on a more philosophical level to try to spark their reason. And hopefully lead them to God, which is the which is the true path. Let's take a quick break. Uh, break. Frank Cronin joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Rasinello. We're discussing his three part series, The Triumph of Truth. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation. We're going to talk about reasoning to truth. So stick around. All right, this is going to be a fascinating half hour. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello, way in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network with Frank Cronin. And we are discussing his three-part series that was published in the Catholic World Report, The Triumph of Truth. With that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello. As Joe Pasillo said at the other side of the break, um, we're going to talk about another uh, segment of your uh, articles, which basically discusses reasoning to truth. And this is what you state. You say reason rightly and rigorously used leads all who use it to the essence and substance of life. Please elaborate on that a little bit. Well, I mean, what we have is we can get to to the foundations of life and all its crucial aspects. We'll use, because this is Catholic, so we'll use the question of God. I mean, God either is or God isn't. Right? I mean, that's the fundamental question, right? Does God exist? Well, he can either exist or he doesn't exist. What is the evidence for each of those things? Well, the posing of that question and the understanding the need for evidence is a rational process, right? That, that makes rational sense. Okay, we would need evidence for this. And right here is where the, the modern world and its mistakes about, about science takes a, a wrong turn, because the fundamental question they would say is, well, if, unless we have scientific evidence, there's no God. Well, but that's a distortion of what evidence really means, and it's reducing, reducing evidence to physical realities only. Well, your question isn't a physical reality, so we're already asking 
a sound, logical, mental question, why would we expect our only source of data or only source of evidence would be physical, right? Because if we have physical evidence, which we do, and we discussed that in the earlier segment, some of those physical evidences for God, they tell us one thing. Well, what, what about the logic of this? I mean, this is what Aquinas did and, and Catholic apologists have done down to the centuries. I mean, if you look at reality, or maybe this would be the best way, if you understand the intangible order of logic, right? it's a mental thing that had to come from somewhere. We didn't just get evolutionary logic, and if we continue to evolve, evolve logic is going to change. Hmm. We have an intangible order to the human mind and to the nature of the universe. That order has to be explained. From, from my personal sense of this, the existence of logic is the most powerful evidence for the existence of God, because you cannot have that level of order and power and structure that's intangible by definition, and yet it's there. And we use it all of the time, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. If you're a scientific materialist, you're using it all the time, but you don't explain it. You just kind of pay attention. Oh, well, we're just manipulating. This is what we've discovered. You can't do science without reason. You can't do reasoning without reason. You can't make a case for so many things. And people make cases incorrectly because they manipulate logic. The word sophistry comes into mind there. Mm -hmm. where people, people manipulate logic to, to their own purposes or to... Uh, to verify their viewpoints as a, and some of it's legitimate, it's just a mistake. But you either make a mistake or you make an intentional mistake with reason. So reason can be manipulated. That's why we we reflect deeper on that. We read about things. You know, Thomas Aquinas, you could make his basic argument in about five sentences. He took hundreds of pages to make this because he was playing defense on all the possible critiques of what he said. So it's out there. And that's the, to me, that's the essence of the modern problem. One of the, one of the things Frank Cronin joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, again, we just wish people, I, I, if people convert to the Catholic church, Frank, I say that's ultimately why Joe and I are here. We want people to come into the church, but we, but we have to argue on different levels. This argument that we're talking about today is we're arguing from reason. We're arguing from logic. We're arguing from order. We're arguing from logos. Okay. And the fact that logos not only exists, but obviously became flesh and dwelt among us, okay? That is the Catholic argument, all right? That, that is the Christian argument, that the logos, that logic comes to mind, all the sciences, okay? It's all based on that order and that, and that reason. And I, I, I just wish that, that people would, would stop trying to be sycophantic followers of the latest fad, Okay, and I understand all young kids. I was young. We were all young at one time. So that's kind of cool and hip and everything else. But we need to keep hammering this home to young, impressionable minds. Look, these people are full of crap. They're peddling something that sounds good and shiny and sleek, like a brand new Cadillac on the outside. Okay, but in the inside, it's empty, doesn't have an engine. 
You see, the Catholic faith has an engine. E. Michael Jones, I think, puts it the best way when he says the Catholic Church has been the, the vehicle, the engine of logos in human history. Okay, That, I think, is important. Again, some people, Frank, they're not going to listen to talking about a guy who was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago. You have to get Sorry. in. in for, yeah, right, for where, where you, when you start. But if, but if you use the philosophical um, underpinnings of our faith, you, especially in this culture war that we in, you can make a lot of a lot of inroads with people. They'll open their minds, they'll open their hearts, they'll open their eyes, and say, "All right, I'm not sure about the Catholic faith, but I think these guys make a really good point because those guys over there, they don't want to argue." their point on a philosophical level. Just real quick, because um, then I want to talk about relativism. But it's a telltale sign, Frank Cronin, that when asked about Thomas Aquinas, okay, I think it was Sam Harris, his only response, because as you said, Aquinas, kind of kind of heavyweight if you ask me, okay, and most people uh, in Western civilization, um, I think the response Sam Harris gave was, oh, well, Aquinas thought the earth was flat. That was his response right. Right. to the to the summa and the arguments for the existence of God. Um, comment on that a little bit, and then let's then we'll talk about probably relativism. Well, I mean, you know, Sam is the kind of guy that would say something like that, kind of uninformed, figuring, oh, I have the silver bullet. Well, you could say to him, well, Sam, how do you explain the logic that you're trying to do here? Where did that come from? You know, you think everything's physical. And then you're going to kind of deny the existence of logic. I mean, you're if we're using that kind of a contradiction, he's and he thinks Aquinas is dumb. He's beyond dumb. He's like dumb, dumb exponentially by comparison because you're saying that and you're showing just how. That's another one of those cases where his epistemology, his theory of knowing, the modern world's theory of knowing, shows up in a in a trite smart aleck comment that totally misses the point and if you could get him to see that you know, that he's totally missed the point that's the, the problem with the modern world since Descartes and probably before I mean what and the, you made a point earlier and I'd like to go back to that because I think it's pretty germane here but people believe right we've, we've come to think of faith as as a willful decision or a belief but that's not the Catholic way. It's it, the Catholic way is mind first, right? I mean, natural theology comes before revealed theology. You can figure this out. That you know, Paul talks about this in the Book of Romans. Is that men are without excuse? They can figure this out. You could figure out that there is a God. Understanding the God talking to us. Well, that kind of that's a different game. But our belief or our faith is not just a function of will. It's a function of fact. I mean, uh, given the idiosyncratic differences in people, like for me, I couldn't believe until I know that knew that God was a fact and that Jesus, his claims were factual. Then I could believe. Some other people may be more inclined to have faith at first, and then they acquire the information. But that's the deal. And part of the, the Harris thing is that he thinks we're all out here just willfully believing despite evidence and whatever, and that's another mistake as well. He does not understand the nature of the question, and he doesn't understand the nature of how we can know anything. Yeah. He, it's just all science, right? It's all physical. 
That's and, it. And, it, yeah. it. It just comes down to the material universe and it's just right. such a mistake. And that's what I think a conversation like this, you know, at the front line with Joe and Joe joined by Frank Cronin, uh, we're discussing the triumph of truth. Okay. And, and Frank, I think the truth is triumphing. We'll get to that before the end of the show. Um, but uh, because like, like Resinello, he says on the show, the truth is a lion, just set it free. It'll defend itself, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, uh, so yeah, you're joining us here at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. And with that, Joe Resinello, where are we headed? Before we talk about relativism, Frank, you mentioned this a, a number of times as we've been talking today about how either God exists or he doesn't. I think that's a bold statement. It reminds me of another man who said something, if you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. You know, it's true. Um, our Holy Father in May of this year, uh, canonized Charles Dufoucault. He's a figure that always, I, I was always amazed at him. One confession, womanizer, army officer, just living a horrible life. One confession. He goes and becomes a hermit in Algeria and goes to convert Muslims and they murder him amazing figure he buys into what you just said either god exists or he doesn't but if he exists and you believe it your life has to change you see this is the root of it all he's either god or he's not and if he's god i have to believe everything he says everything because he defies everything talk about that because there's too much lukewarm behavior in the world you either believe it or you don't i could respect you if you say i don't believe it so therefore i'm going to live like a savage but if you say you believe it i'm not saying you got to go to algeria and play uh backgammon and drink mint tea uh but at the same time you gotta do something about it talk about that Oh, but I mean, what you're saying is it kind of two things come to mind. For one, it's the rationality that you're saying there is like, if this is the fact of life, then you have to orient to that. That's a logical and a necessity, right? Like if God exists, you're going to have to live differently, right? As opposed to there is no God, which means you can live any way you want, because there's, there's no appeal to authority or truth at all. So that's part of what goes on there. And the whole relativism thing is, is we've just reduced it all to my perceptions. When I talk about my faith with some folks, it's, well, that's great for you, Frank. That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that this is great for me, or I'm not sharing my perspective. I'm sharing the facts about life, and I can prove them. God exists, and I can prove them. Not because I'm any, any genius, but I'm paying attention, and I've read enough where I can make a case that you can't get out of it's done and the only way people will get out of it will, will be to appeal to science well that's just your whole thing or you know you believe this because you want to believe this you're not proving anything it's like actually i am you know the logic of this is absolutely devastating and it's not you can see some of this natural theology meaning figuring out what we can know about god through our unaided human reason Right. I mean, this goes back even to Aristotle. They could figure it out. You know, they couldn't figure out the nature of God because they weren't working without without they were working without any real revelation. But they could see the revelation in reason and in nature, and they could see it. And that's why 
our guy Thomas Aquinas picks up on Aristotle and just takes it to the to the natural conclusions. It becomes a monotheistic faith of a God who came and dwelt among us. And if it's a God of love, I mean, you can almost like, it's almost a logical necessity. Of course he's going to have to come here. You know, I mean, he did do that. But we're his children. He made us. He, we went astray. We have the prophecies that talk about him going to come. But you can almost see the necessity of God as the perfect parent. Of course he's done. Where his, I mean, this is one of those mystagogy kind of questions that you can get in the vicinity of the profound truth by just your understanding of what we have already. Of course he'd have to come. And that reality, uh, that escapes everyone because oh, they get lost in their own epistemology. That's really the problem. That was, that was no. And that's and and it seems to be that way. Frank Cronin joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe, tying it back to, tying it back to the Catholic faith for a second. You know, it was one thing for the apostles to to let's say try to evangelize the Jews because they, there was something there. Obviously, the Jews understood the history, you know, of the Jewish people and trying to convince them about this this guy Jesus that he's actually the Messiah. But but along the lines of what we're talking about here, we're talking about appealing to people who have really like intellectual stumbling blocks or just sheer ignorance that don't want to hear about a guy being raised from the dead. What you just talked about, again, I'm trying to challenge the notion uh, or, or the idea of the atheist when they call us a superstitious people, okay? But Paul and John both make the same argument that you just made in Scripture. Paul at the Areopagus, he's talked, he talks about the God in whom we breathe and live and have our existence. He says, you know this God. You have this, this statue to an unknown God. I, he appeals to them on the philosophical level first, okay? And then we find out he had a little bit of success. But John, in his gospel, he does the same thing. He starts mm -hmm. the gospel talking about logos. In yes. the beginning was logos, to appeal to the Greek philosophical mind. Mm -hmm. And then you have a spark, more than a spark, I should say, starting to turn into a fire going through the pagan world over the course of the subsequent 500 years. But it starts with the philosophical ideas that we're talking about right now. We're talking about logos. We're talking about reason, and then John brings it to Jesus. Okay, um, and I think that's that's you know that's I think one of the ways we're going to evangelize this culture, and why this conversation is important because we they were the Catholic Church has been doing this for two thousand years, going back to Paul and John, and we're doing it right now here today. It ain't superstition. Um, and, and, and I know it was a little long-winded there, Frank. I, I'd love your comment on that real quick. Well, I mean, uh, we're, we are stuck in that reality. Uh, and it's as pedestrian as what I mentioned earlier about when we say the word science, we know that that means truth. And when we say the word philosophy, we think that means opinion. That's not it. Philosophy is a way of knowing. It's not some content thing that we justify. In science, the, the fundamental method is the empirical method, right? You, you, you develop a hypothesis, you set up experimental conditions, you run the experiment, you gather the data, you analyze it, you run it by all of your peers, it gets replicated, whatever. Well, in philosophy, their way of validating things is through the use of reason, inductive and deductive reason. That's how it works. So philosophy isn't some self-justifying rhetorical exercise. It's 
It's building your case using the raw tools of logic. That's how you do that. That's why some people's philosophy is wrong and some people's are right. And there's degrees between all of that. Well, they get it mostly right, but here, and why, why doesn't that work? Well, because it's a logical contradiction. This is where when we were talking earlier about shoplifting atheists, they use tools they haven't paid for and they can't explain it. You're going to make a case for science. You cannot make that case with, with science. You have to use reason. So you become philosophical in the very instant you try to defend science is the only way. It's it's kind of like playing chess. It's full, it, the game's over in two moves. They just don't know. I mean, it really is dumb because you're you're using reason to make the case for science, which is a contradiction. And it's a fatal contradiction, not just a simple, oh, well, that's a semantic contradiction. No, this is a devastating right to the core. Make the case for science. You have to be philosophical. Absolutely. Absolutely. Frank Cronin joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're talking about the triumph of truth, a three-part series published in the Catholic World Report. Um, this is a fascinating conversation, Frank. We can't tell you how grateful we are that you're on the show, and we got more of it. So, Joe Rosanello, where are we headed? Well, Benedict XVI uh, coined the phrase, the dictatorship of relativism. And he would speak about, you know, we're basically at a time where relativism versus absolute truth is in conflict. If you have, and this is something I'm paraphrasing what he said, a faith that believes in fundamental beliefs, absolute truths, you're looked at as a fanatic. But there is a danger in believing in relativism. What's that danger? Because our society has embraced it thoroughly from the top to the bottom of, of the society. What are the dangers in practical terms? Because there are no absolute truths anymore. We're talking basic stuff like you're a boy. Like, like you don't have to go to Harvard to know that. My grandmother had a fourth grade education. She'd smack the crap out of you if you said that, that a boy was a girl. That would be the end of the conversation. Then she'd ha then she'd make macaroni for you, Frank. But right. talk about like <laughs> make the basic like 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 arguments of why relativism. It's dangerous. Well, it, it is totally dangerous. But and to kind of segue back to what I was just saying. It's dangerous, but it's also totally illogical. It belies the nature of facts, right? Like, you're a boy, you're a boy. You're a girl, you're a girl. That's the way it is. We, we're talking about aspects of your personality that's different. That's who you are. It's not your perception. But if you think about it, if there's no way of knowing truth except with science, this stuff is inevitable. It absolutely... The only way we can know anything for certain that's true that's an absolute truth is with empirical science. That means, by definition, even though you haven't said that, everything else is a matter of opinion. That's it. That's why, that's why for me, uh, and I think more than just for me, but I think this is the fact. We don't have a way of knowing. Our theory of knowing is so off that we no longer even see it. And, and it's so simple to explain, right? I mean, science is science and, and philosophy is reason science to, to kind of spread that. And because of that, now we can prove it. But if all the only realities we can know are physical, everything else is open-ended. 
and, and it's just a matter of perception. And that's what relativism is. But, you know, you mentioned science. We'll talk about gender ideology for a minute. Science says that it's a boy, yet they're ignoring it. Let's talk abortion. It's a baby. Science says it's a baby. But yet now we're going to just ignore that. And we're going to say we believe in science. Well, no, you don't. You don't. They do in a distorted way because you're giving me exact. Those are two great illustrative examples of the very reality. Science, the physicality of this, that's a boy. The physicality of this, this is a baby. But but anything beyond the mere physical statements of those things becomes a matter of opinion. And that's why relativism happens. And that's why we do things and allow women to kill babies and allow people of the boys to think they're girls. Because perception is king in a reality where the only real reality of life is physical. And if that's all there is, anything else, any opinion, attitude, perception is totally okay because it's your perception because there's no standard by which to judge it. That's why the death of reason is so important. That's why I wrote the article series is is by resurrecting reason, we restore reality. When we restore reality, we have a better grasp of the facts beyond the mere physical reality of the physical universe. You know what it is, well, let, Frank, I'll, I'll tell you, I just want to say this. The, the reason why I think people don't go – what you said is completely true, completely true. Because in doing what you're saying, you have to say to someone, you're wrong. You're wrong. And I can't live with that. You like we've come to this like like place where you can't say to somebody, listen, you're wrong. This is wrong or this is bad. Let's just put it that simple. But we can't do that anymore. So we have to almost distort reality. And that's just what it is. It's a distortion. We're rationalizing the physical world. We're making it actually ludicrous. Joe, along those lines, I want to segue into a question for Frank real quick. So, Frank, you talk about the resurrection of reason, okay? Well, how does the resurrection of reason have an impact on our approach, excuse me, to beauty and morality? Well, I mean, what we can then, we discover that there's certain rational structures and certain fundamental principles in beauty and in goodness, right? I mean, and we can make the case for that as opposed to just reducing that to perception, right? I mean, in some measure, law still holds on to this, though our laws, you know, our laws have been kind of altered over the last 50 years or so where they don't mean what they should have meant. You know, when you look at the logic of of the West and and how because they've lost rationality, it opens the door to both relativism, as we're talking about, but it also opens the like a door that's almost unrestrainable to the politicization of everything. Everything becomes politics now. It's not principles. It's not fact. We're not orienting ourselves to fact and, and measuring the degree to which we stray from that. It's all perception. And if everything is perception, then everything's political. There's no actual side to it. And so that's what kind of gets lost. And kind of like what Joe was saying too, about the ability to say you're wrong. Uh, 
I mean, that's the essence of the problem, right? I mean, uh, Frank, what I would say is this, uh, and again, I'm with Joe. I mean, our, our attitude, sometimes you just have to flat out say, hey, you're wrong, or use that naughty, naughty word that's called no, no, we're not going there. But what about, what about, we don't even have like a, a civil way of telling people they're wrong, namely debate. In a debate, I don't have to tell you you're wrong. I just have to argue my point and destroy yours. All right. That's enough for the audience to see. I've proven my point that what you're saying is wrong. We, but we don't even allow for that. See, that is the true pursuit of knowledge, okay, is being able to come to grips with your own position and being able to defend it. And if you can't to a wider audience, then guess what? You know, people are going to look to 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 the alternative to your point uh to your view we have a couple minutes left what i would like to ask you to leave with our audience frank you wrote quote for the nature of reason and its subordinate science open up reality's true clarity and its deep sophistication to the eager seeker and the sound thinker to the true lover and the fearless learner that's what struck me, the fearless mm -hmm. learner. Joe Racinello says on the show all the time, Frank Cronin, in other words, we have to be we have to be truth seekers. It's not enough to just say, oh, well, you know, I'm just an animal. I'm just evolved from an ape. I'm just going to listen to Richard Dawkins. You have to be actively seeking the truth, okay? Please encourage our audience, Frank, in the last couple minutes that we have to be fearless in their pursuit of the good, the true, and the beautiful. Well, I mean, it, it, to do that, this is why the, the article series is what it is, is, is to get people to understand that they can know the truth. That's, that, that's a big deal nowadays. Like, there, there's truth out there to be known. And once you discover that, I mean, you can come to this a couple of ways. You can come to it by understanding truth already, or you can come to it by kind of getting the epistemology, how you do it. But the point is, is if there's truth out there, like you can get people to even respond to the possibility, then get after it because it, it it's kind of almost addictive is too strong a word, but it's it's so compelling, especially in an age where we think the only things we can know is science. There's tons of things, and everybody to one degree or another has rational capability, so they can follow this. This is accessible. You don't have to pull up Thomas Aquinas and you know force your way through the summa. You can read any number of places like that. Just do the logic. Do the logic yourself. Does God exist or doesn't he exist? And when you realize, like, well, only one person can be right in that regard. There's only one answer. It doesn't matter. God doesn't exist for you if you're an atheist. And God does exist for me if I'm a Catholic. No, it's, it's the factual reality. And so God has given you that capacity to do that. Frank Cronin, we're going to have to leave it there. Fascinating, fascinating conversation. We want to encourage everybody in our audience. If you were to Google, remember, Al Gore did not invent the Internet. God did, okay? So it's our means of communication, okay? So you could go ahead and you're allowed to use Google. Google the Triumph of Truth, a, th um, a three-part series published in the Catholic World Report. Any combination of those words, you're going to see this three-part series written by Frank Cronin, who Joe and I are, are tremendously grateful for having joined us here today to have this conversation because these are the conversations that we need to have particularly as catholic men uh in this culture war okay and to appeal to people 
uh, along the lines of natural reason and hopefully lead them into the into that vehicle of logos which is the catholic church so frank cronin we want to thank you so much for joining us our friend you, we know we're gonna, we know we're going to have you back thank you all out there for joining us here on the veritas catholic radio network spreading the truth of the catholic faith to the new york city metropolitan area 1350 on your am dial 103.9 on your fm dial make sure you download the app the veritas catholic radio network mobile app and follow joe and i if you don't mind please like subscribe and share we you see us at the Frontline TV, the Frontline TV on YouTube. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.